The world is filled with Rehoboams. Reject the experienced and listen to young peers. This is seen in our contemporary society and most definitely in our favorite sport. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! In the past week, I received a couple of great gifts. One is brand new. The other is more than a year old, but new to me. This week... All of us who are baseball fans have the gift of continuing to watch spring training games, but also of the beginning of the World Baseball Classic. Pool play begins this week in all four locations, Japan, Taiwan, Phoenix, and Florida. Also, opening day, both at the major league and minor league levels, is less than a month away. What a great time of the year for all of us who love the game of baseball. And we should make sure we take it all in and enjoy these wonderful gifts from the Lord. Now, before I get to the two gifts I mentioned, there's actually a third. I received an email about last week's episode. And last week, the episode was an interview with Lance Wheeler. And if you have not listened to it, I suggest that you do. Obviously, if you're a pitcher or you work with pitchers, given what Lance does, it would be important and valuable and enjoyable for you to listen. But also, there is so much that was said, that Lance said about pitchers and pitching and developing pitchers, that had application well beyond pitchers, well beyond baseball. And I mentioned at the end of the episode, I believe it was two ways in which I said immediately, here's what I see. Here's how this can apply to us as Christians. Well, I received an email from a listener who had even more connections that he made, more principles that he saw being transferable to our Christian life. And before I get to what he wrote, just let me say this. I always appreciate feedback, questions, comments, the kind of things I'm about to read. So please, don't ever hesitate. Uh, I have a personal Facebook page. In the Bullpen has a Facebook page. Uh, At In the Bullpen FLF is my Twitter handle. And some of you have my email and my phone number. So please, if you have something, questions, comments, contact me. But the person who contacted me that listened last week wrote this. I think about the importance of foundation and its implications for the relationship between doctrine and the Christian life. And he says, Paul told Timothy to watch for both of those closely, or watch them both closely, both doctrine and life. Now again, he's, he's taking what Lance taught about pitching and applying it. What we believe dictates how we live and how we see and relate to God. If that foundation is errant, everything else is hopeless. And Lance was talking about the beginning and the foundation of the delivery. And if that's not right, all that happens downstream from that will also go astray. The person who wrote continues, It starts with the mind. Repeatedly, I liked what Lance said about the essential question. What do you think about yourself? And then this person said, if we don't have the proper understanding of our hopeless 
helpless, depraved condition, if we don't start with the biblical teaching on that, everything downstream from that is going not, is going to be wrong. It's going to be out of whack. He concluded, finally, he, that's Lance, talked about the kid who had been taught something that he held as sacred. And I believe the example was Lance was working with a guy and he kept finishing a particular way. And Lance finally figured out that he had been told that he should finish in so-called perfect fielding position as his follow-through as a pitcher. And then Lance, I think, applied that to some pitchers being told to have a long stride. And how kids who hear this instruction from somebody they respect, especially, let's say, a major league pitcher or a former major league pitcher, that that's going to impact what they do. And the person who wrote to me said, many of us, or even most of us, have been brought up with beliefs instilled by influential people that are not helpful to our spiritual growth. And then very good advice, he says, those have to be identified in the light of truth. So again, great feedback. I appreciate it very much. And I have to add that to the list of gifts that I received over the past week. But the first gift that I mentioned, the one that's new, is something that I received last week via a PDF formatted book. And the book is titled, The Voices of Baseball, The Game's Greatest Broadcasters Reflect on America's Pastime. The title itself excites me and I would think should excite you. The man who wrote this book is Kirk McKnight, and I want to thank him because he is the one who sent me the PDF of this book. I have not started reading it yet. I have scanned through it and I've looked at it. It looks like it's going to be a fabulous book. I hope to start reading it later on today. But two things, I guess. One, I will let you know what I think of that book, but here's the more exciting news. Sometime soon, I think, and I hope, Kirk McKnight, the author of this book, will be a guest with me in the bullpen. And if so, and I trust that it will happen, Lord willing, you will not want to miss that interview any more than you wanted to miss last week's interview with Lance Wheeler. The second gift was the one that is older. I wouldn't say it's old, but older, but I just found out about. I discovered a podcast this week, and I found out about it through the Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association a podcast that is available on Apple Podcasts that began in April of 2022. But I just found out about it this past week. And the podcast is called Baseball Legends Lounge. And the podcast contains interviews, and again, it's been going on for about a year, interviews with former major leaguers, some players, some front office, some managers. Here's just a partial list, and this ought to excite you about it of the people that have been interviewed in the last calendar year. Wade Boggs, Andrew Jones, Charlie Manuel, Burt Blylevin, Chipper Jones, Andre Dawson, Will Clark, Jim Tomei, Daryl Strawberry. And that's just a partial list. I happened to listen to the most recent episode, which was released on March 1st, and it was an interview with Larry Boa. Now, Larry Boa has been in this game for decades. I think he's probably in his sixth decade, definitely his fifth decade. Larry Boa was a very good player, in particular as a shortstop for the Philadelphia Phillies when they were really, really good, including when they won the World Series in 1980. Larry Boa has been a manager at the Major League level. He has been a coach. He still is involved with the Phillies. It was a great interview. And part of the interview included this wonderful story a story of his coming into professional baseball. I had never left Sacramento. Uh, And all of a sudden I go to spring training 
And my goal was to make this class A team, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, I wanted to be make the team. I didn't think about starting. I just if I can make this team, this would be great. Well, I not only made it, but I was a starting shortstop. And uh, my very first game, I wasn't switch hitting then. So uh, obviously I had a decent spring. My very first game, the one thing I could do, I put the ball in play. Uh, regardless of who was pitching, I, I, I could battle and put it in play. So my very first game, I strike out four straight times. And I'm mm. sitting in my locker, and the manager was Bob Wellman. And he says, are you all right? My head was down. I said, yeah. I said, I said, I called him Skip. I said, Skip, if baseball, professional baseball is like this, you guys might want to give me a plane ticket back to Sacramento because I have no chance here. And he says, this guy's going to be special. And I'm thinking, you know, manager, looking back, he's trying to get me motivated. He said, hey, this guy's going to be special. Don't worry about it. I said, okay. Well, the guy happened to be Nolan Ryan. And I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> Who struck you out four times? Oh, four times. I had no chance. Yeah, well, then no right wonder. That is a tremendous story. How about that debut in professional baseball? And he had other stories to tell in this interview as well. And also a lot of great insights into the game, both where it has been and where it is. Worth worthwhile listening to. And and I want to say this. Baseball is a far better game with guys like Larry Boa in it. We seem to be in a hurry a lot, and we'll get to that as it regards even the way the game is played, but we seem to be in a hurry a lot. And over the last several years, there seems to have been maybe still is, a hurry to get rid of the older guys, guys like Larry Boa, guys called, quote-unquote, the old-school guys. But we shouldn't, and I hope we don't, because what they have to offer the game, what they have to offer us as fans, is invaluable. But as I mentioned, speaking of being in a hurry, we got to deal with the pitch clock and the new rules. Now, I almost titled this episode, What's the Hurry?, and actually, this morning, before I started recording, just checking to see if there were any updated news things that I ought to bring to bear in this episode, I saw Marvin Freeman, former Major League pitcher about, well, in my generation, ask that question. Hey, G- baseball fans, and he I think he called them, I don't know what word he used, but he was basically saying, those who aren't really fans, maybe they're consumers, what's the hurry? Well, when you look at what's going on with the pitch clock, and again, we've discussed it uh, in previous episodes And I'm watching in spring training. I'm seeing a lot of things. Some of them are interesting. Some of them, I think, are potentially um, serious issues. And it's going to be interesting to see how they play out once the games count. That is, once we reach opening day. I've mentioned there's a lot of doubt in my mind about these pitch clocks. I think, again, that it's valuable for pitchers to work quicker. I think it's better for the game to have a quickened pace not because the game lasts too long, I'm talking about the pace, but the more I watch it, I see that this is probably going to be a much bigger advantage for pitchers if they choose to make it an advantage than it will be for hitters. One example is this. If there's nobody on base, pitchers have 15 seconds to regroup, to think, to to manipulate, if you will, to have that cat-and-mouse game with a hitter, But the batter only has eight seconds after the pitch is thrown. Once the pitcher receives the ball back, he only has eight seconds to do all that he has to do, get in the box, and be ready to go. 
Now, there are a lot of pitchers. I better not say a lot. There are some pitchers that are experimenting right now during spring training, trying to figure out ways in which they might be able to use this to their advantage. Now, one thing that we saw last week was one of the fastest strikeouts probably in Major League Baseball history, spring training or otherwise. It was Wandy Peralta with the New York Yankees. Oh, a little quick pitch right there. <laughs> but Wandy Peralta. Quick pitch for the clock. How he, about that? He got the 16 <laughs> seconds there, or he's got the thir- 12 seconds there, I think. And now Tukapita's down two strikes within eight seconds. <laughs> wow. Don't need no pitch clock. Wow. So that whole strikeout was from the beginning of that clip until Greg Brown said, wow. And it happened so rapidly. It happened within 20 seconds. From pitch one to strike three was 20 seconds. And it happened so rapidly that the Pirates broadcasters were having a hard time keeping up with things. Now, that was by a Yankees pitcher. From across town, at least in the Major League season, now it's across the state. They're both in Florida, but opposite sides of the state. We have a Mets pitcher who's definitely been pushing the envelope. Definitely been trying to figure out what he can do, what can give him an advantage as a pitcher. And the pitcher that's doing that is Max Scherzer. Gamesmanship and upsetting the hitter's rhythm and upsetting your own tempo. Well, I I think, though, that it's March 3rd. Oh, no, I like trying. And this is the time to experiment. I'm sure when you get to March 30th and opening day, he will have figured out what works and what doesn't. Right? No, 100%. It's just, it, it, it has an unusual rhythm here because he's just. So that's Gary Cohen and Ron Darling, broadcasters for the Mets, having a conversation as Max Scherzer is in the mound. I'll tell you in a moment what Max Scherzer did in that particular pitch or that at bat. But you can hear Ron Darling as a former major league pitcher saying, I get it, but we have to be careful as a pitcher of trying to disrupt the rhythm and timing of the hitter and make sure we're not disrupting our own rhythm and timing as a pitcher. And I think that's a very good point. Gary Cohen made a very good point. Well, now's the time to play around. Now's the time to try to figure that out. And if you're a veteran guy like Max Scherzer, one who now with the ability to call his own pitches, you've got some opportunity really to mess with a batter. And that's what he did in that particular at-bat. And what happened is, Max Scherzer, there was a man on, so there's 20 seconds time between pitches. He comes set, and he held the ball. And he held the ball long enough that the batter was like, okay, i got to take time out. So the batter calls time out. Well, there's only one time out per plate appearance. And Max Scherzer knows that. So as soon as the batter calls time out, Max comes set again and waits for the batter to get in the box. He's set waiting, waiting, waiting. The batter gets in the box, Scherzer throws the pitch immediately, and strikes him out. So Scherzer's pushing the envelope. Now, later on, in the next start, he actually was called for a bulk for quick pitching. So again, those are some of the experimentations that are going on, and a guy like Scherzer, I'm betting even in the regular season, is going to mess with hitters. I'm not saying every game, but I think he's going to use it to his advantage. Now, on the other hand, remember, there's a ban on shifts. Four people have to be on the infield, two on the left side of the bag, two on the right side of the bag. And by the bag, of course, I mean second base. 
So it has banned shifts with infielders. But that does not mean there will be no shifts. Look at where they're going to play their right fielder. They've got that's what we're talking about with Gallo Tapia is going to play center. And they brought the center fielder, Duvall. Duvall. He's playing where they used to play in the old shift. So what happened there is the infielders were abiding by the rules, but Joey Gallo was up, so the center fielder came and played the position that typically, generally speaking, the third baseman would play when we did have infield shifts. In other words, short right field. Again, this is only spring training, but here you have a manager experimenting. And my question is, will this be used in season for a guy like Joey Gallo, a dead pull hitter? I think the answer is, at least with nobody on base, absolutely. And if in time, a guy like Joey Gallo, maybe he's the classic example of any, if he does not show the ability to drive the ball the other way, this could happen on a regular basis. So again, we're going to see. We're seeing experimentation in spring training. We'll have to wait to see what happens in season. Now, these rules, the pitch clock, the step-off restriction, infield shift banning, all that, these rules are not in place for the World Baseball Classic. And that begins this week. 20 teams. As a matter of fact, it begins tomorrow. The first game is at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. It's Cuba against the Netherlands. Then there will be three games on Wednesday, four on Thursday and Friday, and I believe eight games scheduled for Saturday. This is an enjoyable thing to watch, the World Baseball Classic. I'm glad we have it. My interest or my rooting interests are obviously the United States, as I'm a citizen of this country, but then two other teams. One, the Dominican Republic, and by the way, uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. will not be playing. He's got a leg issue. But I, I have an interest in the Dominican Republic, and I'm going to root for them because I would say one of the greatest blessings of all of my time in professional baseball as a player and a coach was as a coach being able to spend, I think, total probably somewhere in the neighborhood of four or five months down in the Dominican Republic. And so I got to experience the culture. I got to see the backgrounds of these young men. And so I, I have an interest and a rooting interest in them. Then thirdly, Team Australia. Again, partially my own experience. Back, uh, what, 2000? Yeah, 2000. Back in 1999, no, 2000-2001, I was in Australia for the International Baseball League Australia. I was a pitching coach for the international team. I actually pitched for the international team, and I was a chaplain for the league. But even beyond that, a good friend of mine, one who has been a guest in the bullpen, David Nilsson, who played for the team in the original World Baseball Classic, is managing the team. So I'm definitely rooting for my friend and Team Australia. Now, going back to the Larry Boa interview, in that interview, he talked about a lot of things, and he spoke about three veteran managers. Bruce Bochy, who was hired this offseason by the Rangers, Dusty Baker, of course, with the Astros, and Buck Showalter with the New York uh, Mets. And he talked, that's Boa, about how much better the game is with these men in it and these men managing Major League teams. Well, the interview I heard followed an article that I saw earlier in the week. And in the article, Bochy was referenced, but the focus of it was on Dusty Baker and Buck Showalter. It was on Baseball9.com. It was written by Kevin Kernan. And it's a part of a series of posts that he puts up that are titled, Baseball or bust. 
and he happened to speak to both of these managers before a spring training game between the Astros and the Mets that was played in Port St. Lucie. And as he gets into the article, he talks about the fact that Buck Showalter has been 38 years in this game, 22 as a major league manager, and Dusty, 56 years in the game, 26 years as a major league baseball manager. So that's a total of 94 years of experience in the game and 48 in the dugout at the major league level. And the thrust of this entire article was about the importance of men with this kind of experience, this kind of wisdom remaining in the game. And Kevin Kernan wrote that he hopes that what we're seeing is a bit of a change. And he's saying that there was a time that the old guys were being pushed out of the game. And he's hoping that that's changing. And he's hoping that that more and more, these guys will not only be not pushed out, but a guy like Bochy will be back in the game of baseball. And he said that he hopes this is the case because there's this, you need the older veteran guys, the guys with experience, the guys, if you will, that have nothing to lose, that will stand against, as he referred to it, the know-it-all analytics department. And both of the managers, both Dusty and Buck Showalter, recognized the value of data and analytics. And they both recognized a few things about it. Number one, it's been in the game forever. Not to the extent, but it's always been in the game. And all good managers have always valued data and analytics, even before it was called that. They also recognized, however, that it must be combined with experience. The two have to work together. And then thirdly, they both recognize that any and all data and analytics, any and all information that is beneficial to helping a team win, to helping a team develop, to helping its players develop, is welcomed. Buck Showalter said, if somebody's got something that is going to help us win, bring it in. But then he also said this, the human element has got to come into play. And that's what I think to a large degree has been missing, or at least it's been buried under the avalanche of information. And then he was talking about a team like the Yankees, who this offseason hired Brian Sabian, who, if I'm not mistaken, began his career in professional baseball with the Yankees, of course, was a hugely successful general manager of the San Francisco Giants, leading that team to three World Series titles, while the Yankees hired Brian Sabian. And Buck Showalter was talking about the value of somebody like him, and him in particular, and he said about Sabian, he can evaluate a heartbeat. See, data and analytics can't. Numbers can't. Good baseball men, experienced baseball men, like Buck, like Dusty, like Bochy, like Brian Sabian, they can develop or I'm sorry, they can evaluate a heartbeat. And then something else Buck said was, hopefully we've become more comfortable with pushback guys. And I think that's key. I think there's a lack of a willingness in some of the younger people in the game, really smart people, really gifted people, to be able to handle pushback, to be able to handle why questions. And Buck says, hopefully we're getting more comfortable with that. And I, with him, say, I hope we are. Now, Dusty talked about veteran managers and how they have the ability and the willingness to stand up more for what they believe in. And he said, with the younger managers, there's a lot of pressure on them. And if they speak out, they're likely to lose their job. He also says that over the last several years, and he actually spoke to me personally about this a couple of years ago, 
that he believes experience has been discounted. But then he says, you can't take away experience. How can you do that in any job, in anything? And I would agree with Dusty. Now, this article by Kevin Kernan ends with two words. Experience wins. And I believe he's right. I believe this is and always has been a fundamental truth. I also believe it's been used fundamentally, been accepted fundamentally by young and old alike, historically. Not always, obviously. Not by everybody. That's for sure. Again, think about Rehoboam. But typically, it's been fundamentally true and recognized as such. And some of that has been lost, and hopefully it's being recovered. I remember Dusty saying uh, back when I played for him that he wanted a combination of the young and the veteran players. He said, I want the young guys. They have life. They have spring in their step. They have enthusiasm. But I want the veteran guys because they have experience. They have wisdom. They have a steadiness. They can corral the young guys and make sure they're using that energy and enthusiasm in the right way. Now, when I first heard Dusty say that, I was a rookie. I was one of those young guys. I was one of those guys that could bound up the steps of a hotel, jumping over three or four steps, when the older guys like a Gary Carter and a Terry Kennedy, who had caught who knows how many innings, had to go up quite a bit more slowly. And it's been more than 30 years since I heard that. But I have seen nothing over 30 years that would convince me that Dusty was in any way wrong. I have, however, seen much to convince me that it's not the prevailing mindset in the game of baseball and really in life these days. It it appears the prevailing mindset has become out with the old and in with the new. I believe this is foolhardy. I believe it's detrimental to winning in baseball or at anything. And I also believe that we live in the most arrogant time in human history. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.